What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. As always, as we get started, we want you guys to know two very important things that you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply. Um, as always, for all the links, for all the things, to check out the newly minted uh, Buddy Walk Community Facebook group and everything else, you can find the links for all of that down in the episode description. You can find them at buddywalkwithjesus.com. And uh, last but not least, if you are in need of prayer, do not hesitate to reach out. Prayer at buddywalkwithjesus.com. So... Uh, this week, I am excited to invite back guest hosts Brandon and Pastor Will. Um, it's this week that is an example of what I get so excited about when it comes to guest hosts and things like that. Because we're entering into the Lenten season where I'm not sure if by the time you guys hear this, St. Patrick's Day will have been a thing yet. Um, but we are... In the process of the march towards Easter. And I've told the story before um, many moons ago now at, now at this point, but a little refresher. I was actually saved a couple of weeks before Easter. We're heading on four years ago. So this whole season for me is special, but um, all of the accoutrement, if you will, of the season, all of the the traditions and things like that, those were all outside of my context. And so for me, I find myself, you know, the more the more Christians that I talk to about this, the more I hear from people, man, this is th celebrating this and holding to these traditions and going through the beats of the season was very impactful for my spiritual life. And I would I would imagine that I'm not the only one that can look at their context and their tradition and say, I'm not necessarily sure. I know I give up things. I know it's, you know, there's certain restrictions of what to eat on certain days and all of that kind of stuff. But as far as the actual spiritual significance behind it, it's kind of at a loss. And so today, you know, I really just want to kick it over to you guys and let you guys take the ball and run with it and, you know, let people know about Lent, um, St. Patrick, all of that. Sure. Guys, you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah. go for it. I'll jump right in. Okay. So I was raised Baptist and in the Baptist tradition, there's only four holidays on the church calendar, <laughs> Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and the Pie and Praise Fellowship that takes place right before Thanksgiving. That's that's it. That is it. And Fantastic. it's a good joke because Joe has actually heard that joke twice now, and he's still laughing at it. Um, but that's that, because but, I grew up a Baptist, and I know how true it is. <laughs> <laughs> but that that was my whole experience uh, with the church calendar. All that to say, the Baptist tradition doesn't normally embrace the church calendar that much, especially this this season known as Lent, because it is seen primarily as a Catholic tradition. And if you know anything about your denominational warfare, Baptists and Catholics don't really get along all that great. No. Um, it wasn't until I got to college that I actually observed Lent for the first time. The only part of this, uh, this week that really was a part of my life growing up was actually, we're recording this on Fat Tuesday. And that is only because of the um, 
my heritage. I'm Polish on my mother's side. So we we did observe Fat Tuesday, which was basically an excuse for us to go get punchkis. Unfortunately, uh, this year I was only able to get strawberry, which is a real bummer. I prefer the uh, authentic um, punchkis, uh, apricot or rose jelly, okay, which is my absolute favorite. Yeah, I don't yes. know what a punchki is, Brandon. You don't know what a punchki is? Yeah, there's yeah, a couple I'm of questions here. A, let's, let's camp on Fat Tuesday, and okay. B, what is a punchki? A punchki. Man, this must be a little bit more Midwestern than I thought. So Fat yeah. Tuesday is the day before Ash Wednesday, and Pastor Will can probably add a little bit more nuance to this, but the simple answer is this is the day that you in, you enjoy the thing that you're going to give up for Lent. This is the last day that you get to eat, consume, listen to, whatever it is that you're going to give up for Lent. This is your last day to enjoy it until Easter comes. Um and so, right. so like you guys are horror fans, so purge. All right. So like get it out of your system right. <laughs> before you go into the fast, right? right? So um so Fat Tuesday, same as Mardi Gras. So mm-hmm. tonight, like New Orleans is going crazy with a big party, and it's like get all your party out before you have to fast and be solemn during the season of Lent to get ready for Easter. So the the reason they call it Fat Tuesday is not necessarily because they're like body shaming anybody, but is is basically like Whatever's in your cupboard that you're going to give up, get rid of it so you're not tempted to eat it throughout the season. So like your sugars, your flour, your, your the fat, the butters, uh, uh, whatever whatever you're going to give up and where you're going to fast from during the season of Lent, just get it out of your cupboard. So that's why people make pancakes and have syrup and butter and why pancakes are a big part of that because you're just getting rid of all the all the the fatty foods that you're supposedly going to fast for um, over the course of Lent. And that's how punchkis come into play, because they're basically Polish donuts, okay? There you go, okay. Traditionally, they look like, traditionally, how real ones are supposed to be made is that they they look like um, deep-fried donuts covered in about the size of my fist, okay? So... They're, they're pretty big. They're pretty solid. Uh, covered in powdered sugar or just rolled around in granulated sugar and have a jelly filling. Traditional ones, you got rose jelly or apricot jelly. Uh, out here, where they're store-bought, they're huge and also have like strawberry or Bavarian cream or chocolate pudding and... You know, for the average person, that's great. I even saw glazed ones this year, and I about went all table flipping on it. Um, I'm very passionate about <laughs> blasphemy. Blasphemy! Yeah, how dare you? Yeah, yeah. actually, right before coming on the air, I ate my last one. So, uh, but again, that's supposed to be in the line of you're enjoying whatever it is you're going to give up. So that we could do. That we could do because it was an excuse to kind of enjoy our um, our Polish heritage. Um, but I wasn't, it wasn't until I was in college that I did, that I observed Lent for the first time. My dorm encouraged us to do it. What and college was this, Brandon? Grace College in Winona Lake, Indiana. They're a Grace yeah. Brethren school. So more in line with, uh, they're like a far left side of Mennonite, technically. Okay. Um, a lot less rules. Like I said, far left side. But uh, that would be their spiritual descendant. Um, and ever since then, that was 2012, so that was 10 years ago. And I saw the spiritual benefit of 
dropping something from my life. Fasting in a very simple understanding is the giving up of something that has become an idol in our life, something good. It doesn't have to be something bad, but it really should be something that we really enjoy, that you have become a source of comfort in your life, maybe a god in your life. You replace it for that period of time, in this case, until Easter. And I saw the spiritual benefit of me cutting different things. You're Again, traditionally, you're supposed to be doing more like foods or beverages. I've done things from social media to um, this year, my wife and I were giving up the freedom to choose to listen to secular music. Now, obviously, if we're in a store or something, we have no control over that. But just when we are in control of the music, we're give, we're putting aside 40 days without Green Day. We'll see how I go. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. Uh... Yeah. But, and then <laughs> along with that is this idea of using it as a time of seeking the Lord as you are drawing nearer to Easter. So for us, we are going to go through for the second time. It's the book From the Cross by A.W. Tozer. It's a devotional book. It starts tomorrow on Ash Wednesday. And we're going to read, you read one a day just to get your mind on, on Calvary at a posture of humility throughout the next mm. few weeks. So mm-hmm. that's Lent for me. Pastor Will, you want to throw in some details there? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Did you guys at your college have like an Ash Wednesday service where you mark the beginning of Lent and then do ashes on your forehead and kind that of mark is, these days? Or is that something different? That is something I've never gotten to do. I've never been mm-hmm. part of an Ash Wednesday service. I would like to at some point. I yeah. don't really... With a, a better understanding now that Lent is something that's not just for Catholics, it's for all believers who just want to exercise a little extra spiritual discipline for the next several weeks, you know, I would be open to it at some point. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I try not to ramble too long, but I, I'll go back to the beginning in terms of like the Lutheran Church, mainline Protestant liturgical uh, denomination uh, roots from Martin Luther breaking away from the Catholic Church, or really kicked out of the Catholic Church. But he he kept those traditions within the Catholic Church that he was like, look, well, I'm not starting a brand, I'm not starting over. There's 1500 years of like tradition and good theology that we can mm-hmm. build from, and mm-hmm. and scripture. And you know, he was an Augustinian monk, and so he admired Saint Augustine, and so he wasn't like, I'm just going to start over. I'm going to incorporate, uh, you know, whether it's the sacraments, the scripture, word and sacrament, and then the season of the church here was always in the liturgic liturgy within the Catholic mass. He, he didn't like redo the, and start over. He, he just kind of said, this is how we're going to do this. Understand through a lens of how he interpreted scripture through the lens of, of grace. Um, so, so as a Lutheran minister, we follow the seasons of the church here that kind of guide our worship and spiritual practice for the entire year. So we start in uh, usually the end of November, beginning of December, we start a new year with Advent. And and those um, uh, four weeks, four Sundays lead to Christmas, which is a fixed date on December 25th. And then there's 12 days of Christmas, and then we enter into the season of Epiphany. So Advent is like this longing. And and around these seasons, there's the Revised Common Lectionary, which these assign readings from Scripture um, assigned to the season. So in Advent, um, I'm not necessarily picking and choosing the 
gospel reading and the Old Testament reading every Sunday. I'm following the Revised Common Lectionary with the season of the church here. So Advent, a lot of John the Baptist, a lot of Mary, mm. um, a lot of prophets uh, leaning into like the call that Emmanuel is on the way. You get to Christmas, you get the Christmas story, 12 days of Christmas, you unpack what Christmas means. And then Epiphany starts on January 6th, another fixed date is the the story of the magi and that launches us into this season of epiphany where like all right who is this christ born for us well we're now going to read you know epiphany aha a revelation and unveiling um uh who is this jesus that was born for us well we hear his teachings we uh have bible readings of his miracles and they were like oh this is who this christ is this is the posture he takes in the world this is who he eats with this is the healing he does this is his first sermon and in his hometown so that kind of done then then we get to the next season after advent christmas epiphany we get to Lent. now easter in the in the western church is a date that fluctuates on the calendar so it could be sometimes it's in march sometimes it's in april and really it, it revolves around it's very complicated i don't even know if i quite understand it, but around the moon and the full moon and passover and how mm -hmm. they set the date so the ash wednesday that marks lent leading up to holy week and easter fluctuates on the church calendar from year to year the orthodox in the east have a set date a little differently Maybe one day we'll have a unified calendar. Who knows? We'll see. Um, but but then you get to Epiphany, and then Ash Wednesday is the actual day that marks the beginning of Lent. And so on that Sun on that Wednesday, um, we get real and we get honest, and we take out ashes and we mark uh, one another's foreheads and say the phrase, "Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return." Pretty weird, pretty more. It's definitely the weirdest day on the church calendar, if you ask me. And ironically, like Lutherans who are like the the least outspoken of, of like Christians, the, the frozen chosen who don't speak out a lot, they're like, that's the one day we're like, we walk around with a cross on our forehead um, in public. Uh, but, you know, Ash Wednesday, not only remembering that we're mortal, that we're, we're sinful, that one day we are going to die, it, that that those ashes are in a particular shape, the shape of a cross. And it's the same shape that we mark children and adults and babies in, in baptism. We put a cross in their forehead when they're baptized and say, you are marked with the cross of Christ forever. So even within this Ash Wednesday, remember this morbid, remember you're going to die, you're a sinner, you're, you're, you're fragile, you're, you're frail. Um, it's also in the shape of a cross to remind us that, yeah, um, but, but that's not the last word of your life. Death doesn't have the final word in your life. So Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, you go through the 40 days of Lent. And, and Lent is 40 days leading up to Christmas. 40, very biblical number. Israelites wandering in the wilderness for 40 uh, years. You have, um, you have uh, uh, Noah's Ark, and then you have Jesus wandering in the in the wilderness during his temptation for 40 days. So this kind of 40 in the biblical sense, it's just a, a number that means preparation. You're preparing for something big that's coming down the road. Uh, now, if you count Ash Wednesday, the days from Ash Wednesday to Easter, you'll count like 46 or 47 days. Mm -hmm. And that's because Sundays don't count in the season of Lent. They're, they're called uh, the, like the first Sunday in Lent, not of Lent. So 
So every Sunday is a mini Easter, an Easter celebration. So even though you might be fasting for something during the season of Lent, on Sunday you can you're allowed to relax the fast because it's a mini Easter. So this particular Lent, I'm giving up carbonated drinks. Uh, I, I love Diet Mountain Dew beyond words, so I'm going to give up that idol. You I, might be I, the I, only one. I know, I know. But um, uh, diet soft drinks, carbonated water, beer. I like those things. I'm a Lutheran. I love, I love good beer. So, so I'm going to fast for that. But, but on Sunday, it's, it's, you're allowed to relax and fast. Not that I'm going to mm-hmm. drink a ton of beer on Sunday or drink a lot of Diet Mountain Dew. But if I'm in a situation where I'm like, hey, cool, I'm out for pizza and I want to get a Diet Coke, you know, I can relax and fast. Uh, remember that it's Sunday. So, so those 40 days um, lead up to Easter. And then Easter itself is a season. That particular Sunday is the chief festival. The church here is why we're even here, is why we're even practicing our faith. Yeah, Christmas gets a lot of uh, secular play because there's a lot of um, capitalism wrapped around that. But Easter is a chief uh, holiday and, and, and why we're doing what we're doing uh but even easter is not just one sunday it's it's 50 days so there's a 50 day season of easter that leads up to pentecost penta 5 50. pentecost is the next season after easter and then that leads the rest of the church years like the longest season that then leads up to advent and you start the whole story over again so so there's kind of the seasons of the church year and and these lessons and scripture and gospel lessons revolve around this preparation for it. So the first Sunday in Lent is the uh, is the temptation of Jesus uh, in the Revised Common Lectionary. So he's in the wilderness. He's being tempted by the devil. Kind of our Lenten struggle of, of those things. So, um, yeah. And as you said, Brand Lent Lent is like this intentional time within the season to or within the church calendar to be intentional with our spiritual practice and mm-hmm. in a way to really hone in on. Uh, uh, our, our offerings and how we give, our fasting, our prayer, our devotional life. Some people take on, some people even take on things like, I'm going to try to read more scripture. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to do an extra devotional like you're doing with your wife, this, this book. Um, and really the intent is, is this fasting and, and prayer is to help you focus clear on, on who Jesus is and his march to the cross and then what Holy Week really means and what happens at Easter. Uh, which is the chief festival of, of, of the good news. So like in seminary, um, I our, our, our day of, of worship and having Holy Communion were Thursdays. And so if during Lent, um, my senior year of seminary, I just said, I'm going to fast and I eat any food on Thursday until I have the Eucharist or communion Thursday night at, um, at our our communal worship service what i found myself <laughs> and it was just to do it i was super hungry but by the time i took the bread and wine i was like man this is great but i found myself during worship going what am i going to eat after worship what kind of pizza am i going to get i can't wait to eat that sandwich i'm going to eat that chicken mm-hmm. i'm going to eat an entire so so then the 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 discipline is like are you focusing more on food we can eat after worship or are you focusing on right. the bread of life who jesus is so that that's the tension that's the um the struggle within the season of Lent that, that does that. And for Lutherans who tend to be, and I do admire, you said you grew up in a Baptist church, like they, the reason they don't celebrate the calendar as much or, or have the revised constellation because they're very congregational since they're focusing mm-hmm. on the context of what their people are going through. So they have sermon series or really dive in yeah. 
to and make it relevant to people's lives in the pew. Lutherans on the other side will preach the do the lectionary and go to the season of church here and people are like, what does this have to do with my daily struggle in this particular town at this particular moment in life? So sometimes we can lose sight of that. Yeah. Um, but hopefully the the seasons of the church here throughout the entire year tell the entire story of Jesus and help you have this aspect, you know, we can't really comprehend the entirety of Jesus's story every Sunday, every week, but we can particularly, we could say, Hey, I'm going to focus in on um, his ministry in Galilee. I'm going to focus on his call, the disciples during the Mm -hmm. epiphany. And then when we get to Lent, we're going to really focus on, on the cross. Um, So, yeah. And then I'll read this. This is our, so tomorrow, um, this will come out later, but uh, today is, is Mardi Gras. It's Fat Tuesday. Tomorrow is Ash Wednesday on the church calendar. And and I have uh, three worship services here at the church and people will gather and, um, at the start of the service, before we put ashes on people's foreheads, um, I will read this in our bulletin. It's called The Invitation to Lent. It says, Friends in Christ, today with the whole church, we enter the time of remembering Jesus' Passover from death to life, and our life in Christ is renewed. We begin this holy season by acknowledging our need for repentance and for God's mercy. We are created to experience joy in communion with God, to love one another, and to live in harmony with creation. But our sinful rebellion separates us from God, our neighbors, and creation, so that we do not enjoy the life our Creator intended. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to a discipline that contends against evil and resists whatever leads us away from the love of God and neighbor. I I invite you, therefore, into the disciplines of Lent, self-examination and repentance, prayer and fasting, sacrificial giving and works of love. And so by strengthened by the gifts of word and sacrament, let us continue our journey through these 40 days to the great three days of Jesus's death and resurrection. So that's the invitation I think sums up of kind of what this season is as, uh, Um, you know, all of us can get into modes of complacency. And I think Lent, the reason Lent is one of my favorite seasons of church here, because it gives me uh, as a pastor, shepherding a big flock to say, all right, y'all wake up from complacency. Let's focus in and be intentional with our faith and our gifts. And and perhaps you give up something that's that, that can help you focus clear on Jesus or take on a new discipline uh, that you don't normally do throughout the year. I was having a conversation with um, a friend of mine that recently left the home church um, arena for a more liturgical church, um, where it's literally like you're like you're dis- like you're describing. Um, you you read you go you go through it beat for beat, and the way he describes it has really shed a lot of light for me on the power and significance behind the traditional aspect of it, because even you, you just laid out the differences between, you know, what the focus is for uh, Lutherans versus Mm -hmm. the focus for Baptists. It's not that one is better than the other. It's just two different ways of doing it. And some people believe that the worship service, you know, the sun, the Sunday morning service is literally just there as a moment to declare the name of the Lord and all of that. And so being going through and doing the liturgy 
is exactly to them is exactly what it's made for not so much of the going into making it applicable for the people in the pew <laughs> and the sermon series and the teaching as most you know american western churches mm -hmm. would would know it um it, it's interesting i've we were talking before we before we started recording that i actually did not know that anybody other than the catholics did ash wednesday that was unaware to me and what hearing both of you guys talk there were a couple of things that popped into my head this past um advent season again not a season that was really in the context that i grew up in it was more about christmas and all of that and if anything you did the the gimmick with the little pieces of chocolate where you punch them out as, yep. every day leading up to Christmas. advent calendar yeah 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 um and so this year was a little bit different because I was going into Advent off the heels of, um, I'll call it a mental episode, uh, uh, an extended period of um, having to shut down and shut some things off and disengage from some things and all of that kind of stuff. And so heading into it, you know, I, I had this breakdown moment with God of like, okay, look, I I hear about the joy of this season, right? People talk about how the joy of the Lord is with them during the season and all of that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. I just want to just feel a little glimpse of that. You know what I mean? To be able right. to have joy during this season, it seems like this, um, you know, it, it is my white whale, if you will. Like, I, mm -hmm. I could not get the beat on what this looked like. It didn't matter, you know, decorations or the songs or any of the traditional stuff. And, you know, I, I, I prayed about it and I prayed about it and it seemed like the only thing that I could point to was, okay, I'm going to cling to Jesus for dear life and not let go. Mm -hmm. And that sounds a little anecdotal, mm -hmm. but we're talking literally like I'm walking five miles every day and the whole time I'm just in prayer in the scriptures and mm -hmm. throughout the day I'm, I'm almost taking like pit stops throughout the day of mm -hmm. prayer and of scripture and things like that. And yes, I'll be the first one to admit from the end of November through till January, it looked way closer to what somebody might mentally envision Will's tradition to look like mm -hmm. where it was regimented. It was scheduled. There was, it wasn't as, you know, there were spontaneous moments, but it, there was a purpose and a practice to the whole thing. And, and, you know, lo and behold, the more that we get to Christmas, even though there's still nonsense coming through from external forces and every reason to point to, to say, ah, I'm not feeling it. This is going to be the, the going to be the reason why I'm not into it this year and all of those kinds of things. Um, you know, I, I still found myself with this un describable joy and by undescribable i literally mean no other reason than god for me to be mm -hmm. experiencing the deep rooted literally spirit that i can't describe it anything else other than spiritual joy because it wasn't like i was happy it was just an internal comfort and 
peace and all of those kinds of things i say all of that to say i hear you guys talking about the tradition and in you know i i can vibe with brandon on this one because growing up it was very much lent was always very much presented as another set of rules that the catholic church follows and where i'm from it's predominantly baptist and catholic so it was very much kind of like a turf turf war sort of sort Mm -hmm. of approach in a lot of churches where you know the the baptists took their nose down at catholics and catholics down at baptists and all of that and Mm -hmm. so so that was kind of always the context that i had for it growing up that like oh yeah you give something you give something up whatever it's just uh it's just a rule that you've got to that you've got to obey but the older I get and the more I go along on this path, especially since opening up doors and saying, you know, let me have these conversations with different people from different contexts. Let me explore these things with people that are more knowledgeable than I that can that can present these things in their proper context, regardless of whether or not you agree with the context, but they know enough to be able to present them in the proper context. And let me go ahead and sit back and learn, you know, because mm-hmm. you don't know what you don't know. I remember back back when I was in uh, a spiritual formation academy and our, our uh, homework assignment was to go to a worship service that was outside of our tradition. And so being from this area, I went to a Catholic mass and Mm. I'm telling the story and we're going through and I'm like, yeah. And then they did communion and I went up and took communion and all of that. And everybody's (laughs) like, Oh, you did what? I I'm like, I had to ask, I'm like, what's the big deal? I don't, I don't Mm -hmm. understand. Oh, well, you're not supposed to take communion at a Catholic mass unless you're Catholic. So like I said, you just, you just simply don't know what you don't know. And so to hear you guys um lay it out in that context shines an entirely different light on it and and i hope that's something that again for for those of you in the community either either here in the states and in this part of the world or across the world where you know maybe you've heard about different things about lent but you've never practiced or things like that that these kinds of things stand out to the power of being able to um use something a tool whatever that tool is, you know, using that tool to be able to laser focus in on the road to literally the greatest event in human history. There you go. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate you lifting up Advent. Like usually Advent is kind of like, yeah, way we light an Advent wreath and get ready for Christmas. And, you know, I get frustrated when I see like TV going the 25 days of Christmas leading like every day is I'm like no what are you talking about Christmas is true I get like I, I become like liturgical uh, liturgical snob and I'm like no Christmas is 12 days and Advent is these days uh, but I've recently been been turning Advent into like a, a mini Lent in my own discipline that mm. I will either give up something or take something on or do a different kind of devotional to get ready for Christmas and because there's it's such a busy time of year and there's so many expectations and you got to do this you got to do that mm-hmm. and all the cultural pressures. I like, you know, I'm, I'm going to get back to the basics of my faith and really hone in on what the importance is of, of this season. And, and, and Lent is that is the way because the early church um, used Lent as a preparation for Easter in a sense that a lot of people would convert or be baptized or, 
or convert to to the to Christianity and and then make their public profession on Easter Sunday, or, or at the Easter vigil Saturday night. And so the Catholic Church still uses Lent as this time of catechesis where you're learning, you're growing, you're asking questions, you're you're pressing the priest or the pastor on on what the faith really means, and then they ask you to take on disciplines like prayer, uh, reading scripture, and even fasting as a way to get in tune with your true hunger for for jesus so you give up something not necessarily because you're trying to earn spiritual points or earn god's favor you already have it you're just trying to get in tone in tune and and clarity with what you truly hunger for which is is god's grace and love so that lent has always been a time of preparation for easter sunday which is the huge celebration of lots of baptisms and people converting and making public profession of faith. And the Catholic Church still has that kind of practice. Lutherans, not as much, but I, I encourage my flock to, like, yeah, it's not just a, I'm giving up food because I want to lose 10 pounds. It's like, no, you're giving up something so that you can hone in on Jesus being the bread of life and what we truly hunger for and long for in, in the world. And I appreciate you saying that, Pastor Will, because I think for a lot of people on the outside, um, this can become very workspace. This can look yeah, very workspace. Yeah. This can look like mm -hmm. I'm trying to earn spiritual points. I'm trying to earn favor. And that's, you know, maybe that is some people's mindset going into this, that this is just another way to check the box. Because there's plenty of people out there who they treat sure. the spiritual disciplines as a way to check the box. But the right attitude towards this is I am, yes, I'm being a little bit more regiment. I'm taking on a discipline. Disciplines aren't easy. Do you think it's easy to give up something that you love for a period of time? It's not, it's not easy, but we're doing this for the ultimate love. We're doing this for the, the one who has shown the greatest amount of love towards us, not as a way to get more love, but if anything, to express our worship and devotion towards him more thoroughly. Yeah. And so like, I mean, even science and like, or like behavioral sciences will say that how long does it take to kick a habit? Like 30 days, yeah. you know, or how long does it take to create a new habit? Like 30 days, you know, and Lent's 40 days. So it gives you extra 10 days. Like the early church even knew like, look, we're going to give you 40 days to kick a habit or create a new one so that after Easter, you can take that on and keep that going, that momentum going for the rest of your spiritual life. And, and even, you know, I, I forgot, was it Malcolm Gladwell that was talking about the 10,000 hours that you put in, you know, to, mm. to become an expert of, of something or to be, get really experienced that, yeah, if you put in the hours, you put in the stuff, it's not that like you're trying to earn God's love, but you're literally training in your discipleship to learn how to be like Jesus. And that, that takes on fasting, uh, uh, prayer, giving acts of charity, reading scripture, um, living in community with one another. So, so all those things help shape us into who God calls us to be. So um, that's great. And, and really like, yeah, the dietary laws, you know, as I think about it, you know, um, yeah, Catholics don't eat meat on Friday because they, every Friday is a good Friday. Mm -hmm. Every Sunday is an Easter Sunday. So they're celebrating this weekly pattern of how to pattern your lives. My wife, uh, when we were down in Florida at my first call, uh, down in South Florida, she attended a Bible study at a Greek Orthodox church and, and oh. really liked the community that was going on and the priest that was there. And, and she took on the Orthodox fast for Lent. So really what she does for 
for Lent every year. She's done it for a long time. Is literally become a vegan. Like mm. she like gives up all meat. She gives up all dairy. Um, like she drinks her coffee black. She gives up all alcohol. She eats like hummus and I don't know what else she eats. But I, I'm on a different diet. plan than her. It's pretty strict. But like she hones in, and so that you know she, today was a big day of her eating a lot <laughs> of things she loved. Um, and then starting tomorrow, she'll she'll follow this pattern. And she'll relax the fast a little bit on the weekends because you're allowed to. But then come Easter, man, she'll we'll have the full pork chop and butter and bread, uh, red wine dinner for Easter and say Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, that that kind of thing. And so so it's not necessarily about like I'm not eating this thing because I want to lose weight or earn spiritual favorites. It's I'm going to really hone in on the intent of my faith and where I'm placing my focus and attention. Um hopefully to create a good habits and discipline for the rest of your life. And when you're giving up stuff like this, like especially something like in the Orthodox church, their type of a fast, when you're giving up stuff like this and Easter's over, that almost adds to the joy, to the happiness yeah. of now this is back in my, in my life again, I can have the pork chop. I can listen to the music I enjoy. So mm -hmm. there's a, there is an added bonus of, again, we're not saying that you have to give it up forever. Oftentimes, these are things that even on the Sundays leading up to that you have the freedom to enjoy. There's also yeah. a rule for that for St. Patrick's Day. Um, but, you know, that adds on to the joy and the happiness that we have in this season when we get to the ultimate joy of Christ the Lord is risen today. Mm. Hallelujah. One of the things that I found really interesting was post post Christmas, right? You know, you, you, you go through and I was literally doing, doing laps. I would do, um, Isaiah, I would do the gospels and then I would do the book of acts and then wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. The idea being that, um, nice. the, the prophecy of the life of, and then, then post and, you know, it, it can be tempting to say, okay, boot camp's done. You know what I mean? Like the, mm -hmm. the, the actual event is done. Now let me introduce this thing back into my life. And next thing you know, you're, you either let off the gas or you let the thing back on or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you know, you, you end up in a similar boat as to when you gave this thing up or, or not mm -hmm. as, you know, not focused on that thing anymore, because like I said, boot camp's over. And this whole thing is, it, it speaks to the ability, you know, you mentioned not just giving something up, but potentially taking something on, mm -hmm. you know, it, I think mm -hmm. a lot of us, even without realizing it, have routines, we have traditions, we have the applicable daily routine of what, what we institute to make sure that we stay within, within the guardrails. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I wake up every morning, I make a pot of mm -hmm. coffee, I go work out afterwards, I I um, listen to the Bible, and then, you know, go on from there to whatever the day looks like. But every day, Monday through Sunday, that's what I, I start my day off with, because that's a routine that works for me. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's power in posturing yourself. You know, I, I use the illustration a lot of being at the foot of the cross because, no, I don't worship the actual pieces of wood <laughs> shaped like a cross. I, I worship the 
God that was on the cross. You know what I mean? Like that, I, I worship Jesus, and I and I, I focus on the fact that on that day, um, you, grace took over. Like the the like I said, the greatest thing that that has ever happened to mankind happened on that day, and. It's it's literally the reason why we can have the sound of victory blaring from deep down in our spirits. But again, mm -hmm. that 40 days, that road to seems like really good preparation road for you to be able to figure out what the habits look like. Even if you're not staying to a very strict diet the entire year, mm -hmm. even if you're not giving up these things the entire year, all mm -hmm. of those kinds of things, there's still a heart posture that matters. You know, you can approach this thing like, oh, this is a great time. I need to lose 10 pounds. Let me give up sugar. You know what I mean? Like that sort of thing. Sure. Uh, and, and instead, <laughs> really figuring out how to position yourself so that way you can be that kind of emptied and vulnerable and present when it comes to spending time with God and being in active relationship with God. And I've even seen within my own life, you know, talking about boot camps over, you were bringing up this illustration of boot camps over. Sure. <laughs> there's been times where I, I think of last year, I gave up alcohol for the entire tea of Lent and I'm going to have a Guinness after this. Like I, I have gone back to drinking alcohol, but there have been times where there has been a literal shift in my posture with a certain thing. When I gave up the year I gave up social media. Yes, I still use social media, but I am not, I was one of those people who would just drown the hours away, just scrolling on social media. It broke that habit. I get on, look for a minute. I'm good. Nice. I'm good. Yeah. Or, there was another year. Oh, the first time that I gave up the right to be able to listen to mainstream music, I found all these other great Christian artists, radio programs that I enjoyed listening to, and they're still a part of my life. So, yeah, you might not give it up forever because boot camp's over, but I have seen within my own life these instances of there were chains broken. There was idols came down, and that's a victory. And I think the the early church, looking back at that, the reason it was very food focused because look, you didn't have social media, sure. you didn't have TV, you didn't have like all these things. What their life revolved around the meals they ate and where they could get the next meal and what they enjoyed for that meal. So look, mm -hmm. like yeah, they didn't have their local comic store they could go get a graphic novel and be and be happy like right. they. And I'm not saying their lives weren't happy without like social media and the internet and like maybe um you know, march madness march madness or whatever uh acc basketball but like their lives revolved around food so a lot of the fasting came around the the food and and even in church like our church will even take on the practice of like not singing any hymns or songs or kyrie's or practice with alleluia in it or even fast from the word mm. alleluia and a lot of the turkle churches will will bury on like for children's messages to say, hey, we're going to bury the Alleluia uh, on the Sunday before Ash Wednesday. And then on Easter Sunday, we'll, we'll, when you hear the Alleluia song with the trumpets and with the choir, you're like, wow, I haven't heard this long time. And it just brings extra joy. So there, there's even a practice within the liturgy itself to refrain from some joyous words. Mm -hmm. and, it, it, and the hymns tend to be a little slower. They tend to be a little slower. Like, man, this is depressing. Like, yeah, we're in Lent. 
marching to a cross, you know, like, yeah, it right. is depressing to get in touch with it. And what I'll preach tomorrow would be like, look, it's not lost on me that for two years in COVID, like, I don't need to remind you how fragile life and relationships and society is and the way we are right now. Like I, I don't need to pile on. Um, but it's another reminder that we're frail and mortal beings. Um, and when you see that cross on your neighbor's forehead or on the, the, the nightly news, the person who went to Ash Wednesday, you're like, yep, that person is, is a, a mortal frail being, but is also marked in the cross in the shape of a cross. And that's where our hope lies. I like this idea of even burying the word hallelujah of like removing yeah. that just like a, even just a specific focus that we're going to remove from our life to have the more joyous occasion later. I had a friend in college when I was experiencing this for the first time, every year for Lent, she gave up makeup every year. She would give up that period of time for wearing makeup so she could get back into focusing on her identity in Christ and Nice. Becoming That's more strong. rooted in that and focusing on passages that dealt with that. So even just to have a very pointed, like, I'm going to do this to focus on this theology or to enjoy this part more with the Alleluia. There's so many ways that you could apply this. Time, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, and, and it seems like to me, the more I hear from, the more I hear from different people and the more I hear from you guys, you know, if you're able to look past, you know, Will and I, Will, you and I talked about this whole idea of being able to look past that surface layer of you think differently than I do and mm. being able to see the person past that and to be able to unite with that person and all of those kinds of things. If you can look past, hey, the way you do this looks different than the way that I do this, you can realize that, hey, this person over here has a tool that isn't in your toolbox. Doesn't mean you are, you're always going to use that tool. It doesn't mean that you're going to use that tool every year or anything like that. But to me, it would seem as though this is quite possibly the most important time. You know, obviously the conversation centers around 1A and 1B between the big two in the, mm-hmm. in the Christian year. But... Even beyond celebrating the birth, you know, it is it is what we are marching towards that literally means everything. Because if this isn't it, if this isn't the thing, then everything that we're doing is for not all of the all of it is for so nothing. Says Paul. So says Saint Paul. <laughs> right, right? Exactly. If if Christ is not crucified, we are to be pitied among among all. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, right. And honestly, like the more I, I think, I, I think when it comes to especially those of us that live in parts of the world where we have so many options at our fingertips. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We have so many options for different things and different, you know, treats or different, you know, options, whatever the case may be, be it food, be it not, whatever. That to, to be able to humble yourself and say, in the name of God, I am sacrificing this thing because a sacrifice was made for me. There's mm. there's power there, you know what mm-hmm. I mean. And yeah, you mentioned absolutely. Will about this area being, or this this area of time, this period of time, being a bit more solemn. You know, honestly, one of the best 
I'll, I'll, I'll stri strike that. The best um, Good Friday service that I was ever at was literally they presented it like a funeral service. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was yeah. for all intents and purposes a funeral service. And that to me struck such a chord because that's that's what happened. You know what I mean? It wasn't about a rabbit. It wasn't about the uh, uh, a pretty boy Jesus. It wasn't about all of these things. It was it was about what actually happened on that day, and then what actually happened three days later. Yeah, and, and so within like forty days of Lent leads to Holy Week, and Holy Week has you know it starts with Palm Sunday, the march to Jerusalem, and then Thursday is Monday Thursday and Monday Latin for for mandate Jesus gives a new mandate new commandment love one another and then he and John takes off his robe and and wraps a towel around his waist and washes his disciples feet so on that Monday Thursday we um we we literally wash people's feet that night and you know we're like look if you have a thing about feet you don't don't worry about it come forward and I'll put some water on your head or or on your hand and remind you of your baptism um and we'll do communion and practice the Lord's Supper because that was Jesus' last meal. And then at the end of that service, we'll strip the entire altar, we'll strip the entire sanctuary, so it'll be bare. And we we start off with this kind of like washing each other's feet, this posture that Jesus took of servanthood and and sharing in, in the Eucharist. And then we strip the altar and we leave in silence and we gather back on Good Friday. And however we shape that Good Friday service, it is very solemn. It is like like a funeral and we hit, we read the passion story together and then uh we rest on saturday silent saturday and then sunday we we come back and and hopefully people are like whoa we're surprised the tomb's empty but we also do a vigil saturday night that's a whole nother thing but my, my grandma my my grandma who was a little like lifelong lutheran old school lutheran was like why are lutherans doing ash wednesday and that catholic like yeah grandma but it's not just it's everybody uh but she was always like super aggravated <laughs> that that, that the church was only like half full on Good Friday, but like super full beyond busting at the seams on Easter. And she would, every Easter would be like, where were all these people on Good Friday? They didn't hear the whole story. Like, what? <laughs> oh, oh, you're only here for the good news and not hearing what Jesus really went through. I'm like, Grandma, that's culture. I had to calm her down. But but that's it too. Like, yeah, it, um, you know, that Holy Week, it really leads to this like culmination of, of this story of the last three days of Jesus' life, which reading the Gospels, that's, yeah, there's a lot of gospel there, a lot of content, but but man, that last week in Jesus' life is is really the climax and the main focus of all four Gospels, uh, this last week in his life of washing feet, celebrating the Lord's Supper, dying on the cross, and then they, and the disciples thinking that's over. That, yeah. That's the end of it, and and the women were surprised at the tomb and, and commissioned to go and and preach and share the good news that Christ has risen. And so I, for me, all this Lent uh, Lent is this intentionality, and that's what I try to in, share with my congregation is this intentionality of the season to really focus in on that to prepare and get ready for uh, and try something new or different to help either wake you up or or kind of help you focus deeper. Yeah, and I and I think for for those of us that you know teach or lead or are in leadership roles, I think it could be a good practice to put these things in because you know we think about that week, 
right? The week leading up to Easter. And it's kind of like our Super Bowl and World Series all wrapped up into one in a lot of respects. There's going to be a lot of content. There's going to be a lot of things. There's going to be a lot of services and a lot of preparation. And in the midst of all of that, it's easy to lose track of what actually is going on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like what the actual whole reason behind the gimmick can be in the first place, you know? Mm -hmm. So I want to shift gears here a little bit because um, among us, we have uh, a particular fan of St. Patrick and and St. Patrick's day. And you know, it's so funny because growing up, I'm, I'm part, I'm, I'm part of a couple, couple of things, but I am predominantly Italian and Irish. And okay. growing up, I was like, no, 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 I'm Italian. I'm, I'm not, I'm not Irish. Separating myself wholly and completely from my, my Irish roots. But like, especially since marrying my, my very Irish wife and, you know, going <laughs> and embracing that side more and the traditions and the culture mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff, I have gotten a bit of an education in what is and is not. Mm-hmm actually accurate to the whole St. Patrick's Day thing. So in this whole season, we've got St. Patrick's Day and all of that. Brandon, why don't you go ahead and take this one? Sure. Now, I do know that you have a very international audience. So I do want to establish one thing that I do know that this is predominantly an American thing. I do want to make make sure that is clear. I I, I know that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm aware of this. I am Polish on my mother's side. I am Irish on my dad's side. So I am very stubborn. Um, and my birthday <laughs> is at the end of the month. And as a kid, I thought it was really cool that there was a holiday in the in, during my birth month. And that was St. Patrick's Day. Sometimes Good Friday falls actually on my birthday, which is very awkward let me tell you it is really weird to have a birthday on good friday Uh, but as a kid i thought it was really cool that there was this holiday that took place during the same month as my birthday and that was of course saint patrick's day and my dad being the irish one would encourage us you know we would do the stereotypical stuff, you know, wear green and go get shamrock shakes at McDonald's and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but the you hear all these stories about St. Patrick, of all these miracles and different things and different teachings that he did. And for whatever reason, it always stuck with me of like, what what actually is going on here? Like what, what, is this all just made up? What was he? And so again, when I got to college, I took a history of world missions class as an elective. And one of the final projects was we had to write a paper on a missionary. And I thought to myself, well, here it is. Here is my excuse. Here is my opportunity. So I did as much as I could a deep dive on the life of St. Patrick. Now, it's actually very difficult because there are a lot of those stories and there's not a lot on his life. A lot of it just comes down to the one of two things that he wrote. He has his own confession and there's a letter, I believe. I've got it somewhere on my bookshelf. Um, I've read it before. And so I did as much studying as I could and wrote a paper on the man. And 
What was really interesting to me, again, in this phase of life where I'm coming out of my Baptist roots and becoming to starting to focus more on what do I actually believe? What was tradition and what do I actually believe and what do I want to take with me in my walk with Jesus? What I was pleasantly surprised to see was here was a Catholic man he's, who was a missionary whose teachings were pretty Protestant. Is a lot of his teaching of a little that we know is actually very Protestant, uh, especially looking at like doctrine of salvation um, and sanctification from the little bit that we know. Uh, from what we can tell, the whole shamrock as an illustration for the Trinity, totally made up story. As far as we know, we actually don't have any documents that proves that he actually did that once. Uh, also, the snakes being driven out of Ireland. That's probably made up too. But so uh, when you texted me that uh -huh. the other day, yeah, I had to ask my wife about that because I had never, I had never heard, heard that story. of that, and I proceeded to that was that was like lighting the fuse and watching fireworks go off, and she's like, "Yeah, no, that's not actually real," and that, all of that yeah. kind of stuff. It was funny because, and part of it is because to be sainted, I don't know what the actual term is, but to be sainted, you have to have performed miracles. So there are these legends these stories of saint patrick of these miraculous things that he did whether or not he actually did them we're not really sure although snakes in ireland seems to be kind of a like a definite no on that part and i think it's really cool this this holiday has in america is the day to get plastered like that let's just say what it is <laughs> the pope gives permission excuse to party yes, excuse pope to party gives permission that in order to celebrate ireland y'all can drink if you gave up alcohol for lent that's part of the thing <laughs> that is part of the thing um but for right, me i, I think it's really cool that there is a holiday during the early part of the year that if done correctly we're celebrating a missionary like it's yeah. not done correctly. It's not. It it's turned into this quasi American celebrating stereotypical Irish stuff, basically what it is. But if some people actually took it for what it is, it's a day to celebrate missions. It's a day to celebrate the work of a missionary, and that's really cool. Yeah. So within the church calendar, there's not only like the the feast days and mm -hmm. and the the holiday the holy days the holidays of like. Christmas and Epiphany mm -hmm. and Easter, um, Reformation Day, all those kind of things. But you also have like within the Catholic tradition, Orthodox tradition, feast days that are designated for like particular saints. Mm -hmm. and, and so that the word they're like canonized, they're canonized as saints canonized. and they have their own feast, feast day. It's either their it's either their birthday or the day they died, the day they were martyred. So that's the day you just focus on them. You know, this is an age before superheroes and Marvel movies. So they were like, who's your superheroes that you look up to? And the stained glass, the graphic novel you read in church every Sunday, the stained glass and mm -hmm. iconography. You're you're reading you're reading the graphic novel, the heroes of yeah, like really. St. Patrick and and whatever. So that that was their like their their hero worship you know per se and then the reformation helped kind of course correct that a little bit and to kind of cult of the saints and that kind of thing anyway but yeah so saint nicholas mm -hmm. you know, santa claus his feast day is december 6th so that falls around the time of christmas and that's why saint nicholas is lifted up as a day and it's cool that he was at the council of nicaea and helped shape the nicene creed and legend is he slapped uh, a, a heretic for denouncing the trinity trinity so i think it's kind of cool that that's santa awesome. claus punched 
punched a heretic. That's probably legend too, but that's part of his story. That one we'll keep. You know, we'll keep that one. That one we keep, right. <laughs> so yeah, he's, he, he helped these women uh, or girls who are probably going to have to go into prostitution because he didn't have a dowry. So he stuffed their stockings with money because he was a really rich dude and saved them from this life of prostitution, which is why we get the tradition of filling stockings for Christmas. So all that is right around St. Patrick, his feast day. I don't know if it's his birth or his martyr or, or the day he died. It's March 17th. Mm-hmm. And so he's attributed to Ireland. And and yeah, he's attributed to like Trinitarian teaching, mm-hmm. whether it's around the shamrock. And then most likely the snakes are driven out is this kind of like allegory of him driving out paganism mm-hmm. from Ireland um, and and bringing in Christianity. So that's kind of the, the allegory. The snakes represent paganism being driven out of, of of ireland and i guess the legend is that you know he was he was captured and was a slave in ireland mm-hmm. escaped slavery and then um he decided he saw a vision go back and preach uh the gospel to the people who enslaved you and that's what he did and and so kind of there and there's a cool book called how the irish saved civilization by um, oh i've heard of that one thomas cahill and yeah. it talks a little bit about how like the sack of rome and the diet of of europe and how what St. Patrick brought to Ireland in terms of um, European tradition, but also like Catholic Christianity mm-hmm. helped preserve that when, when the other, when Europe was being sacked by, by Vikings. But um, so these feast days are, are true. So yeah. So on those feast days, if you're fasting, if you're in a, in a holiday where, where you're um, uh, giving up something or whatever, you can relax that on the official feast. Day. So on St. Patrick's day, you know, I'm not giving up any kind of food, so I'm still going to eat. My wife may eat something a little different, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to have a Guinness or a beer on that day to That's right. toast to, to you know, St. Patty for, for preaching Trinitarian theology to a mm-hmm. pagan nation or whatever. There you go. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I, I really appreciate your time. Um, this is very informative, and I really hope that um, people were able to glean the the pearls through um, <laughs> through a lot of what has been added into this area, or maybe w- misrepresented in this in this part of year. So, mm-hmm. Pastor Will, you want to go ahead and pray us out? I will. Yeah, and I, you know what? I'm gonna find this prayer. This in our. Um, oh, I was hoping you would do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. So this is the prayer of the day in our hymnal, in our prayer book uh, for, for Ash Wednesday. And and yeah, if you have any questions about the season of the church year or anything, feel free to hit us up. And, you know, if we if we created more questions, um, uh, no, no questions, a bad question. So, so let us know. And all of it, like, I really respect uh, Brandon and Joe and the work they do and their um, their ministry and how they follow Jesus and, and we're all one uh, big family and, and there are times when we look a little differently or do things a little differently, but we're all in the same family tree. And so um, if you have any questions, yeah, hit me up on, I'm out there. You can find me. Um, so here, here's the prayer of the day for, for Ash Wednesday. Let us pray. Almighty and ever living God, you hate nothing you have made and you forgive the sins of all who are penitent. Create in us new and honest hearts so that truly repenting of our sins may re- we may receive you the god of all mercy full potter, potter, pardon and forgiveness through your son jesus christ our savior and lord who lives and reigns with you in the holy spirit one god now and forever amen, amen. amen.